0: What if most of what you believed wasn't true and it was the biggest blockage to your highest potential in business? Hi, I'm Jared Kraus. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening again. If you are listening and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. I never really ask you guys to subscribe. Is it a thing of the past to ask people to subscribe? I'm not sure. but. Subscribe to the pod if you're not already doing so. Today I'm speaking with Itamar Marani, who didn't go to university because he was getting an intense real world education. At the age of 18, he was drafted into the most elite unit in the Israeli Special Forces and spent over 10 years in federal and private international counterterrorism units. In 2008, he graduated from the Israeli Shin Bet's Prestige Air Marshal Program as the youngest person in the country's history. He's also a BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under a nine-time world champion and was ranked top 10 in the amateur levels for BJJ. He's led multi multi-national teams of Navy SEALs and other special forces veterans to, and managed assets in the nine-figure range as the chief of security for a billionaire. But after a three-year period, he quit because of the lack of integrity in the work environment. While working undercover, Uh, He also, uh, and abroad, he had a very close call with Al-Qaeda that led him to working with being and mentored by the Israelis' Mossad head psychologist. And he now leads the arena, which is a mindset accelerator focused on emotional fortitude and effective mindset for entrepreneurs. And he's helped over 100 entrepreneurs that are six to eight figure entrepreneurs evolve into better versions of themselves through group and private coaching. He's on a mission. And his mission is to share everything he's learned from the Israeli special forces, international counterterrorism, working with the Mossad's top psychologist and being an internationally ranked BJJ athlete. So he focuses to help people forge an effective mindset, build emotional fortitude and become the entrepreneur you're capable of. Without any of that fluffy motivational stuff. And we talk about that in the podcast. We talk about inspiration and motivation and how it can be hypey, um, why it doesn't work. Uh, this is seriously one of my favorite podcast episodes because we talked on some of the subjects that I don't typically get to talk to in terms of emotional intelligence. We talk about what holds you back from achieving incredible results, why some people can come in and guns blazing and just get incredible results, and why some people are slower to do so. We also talk about how to uncover what's not true for you that's holding you back and how to give you yourself the space to reshape your beliefs. We talk about a process or a couple of different processes that Itamar shares as well. We also talk about how and why men or many men find it challenging to feel emotions and learn the cues that they need to listen to, which are from their emotions, in order to make incredibly impactful decisions in their lives. We just talk about emotional intelligence from myself and Intama, Um and how it was one of the best growth tools for myself and Intamar. and he also shares a really cool story of his that pushed him to work um, on emotional intelligence through this encounter with Al-Qaeda, and uh, yeah, it's a really refreshing podcast episode. You guys might see a side of me that you've never really heard before, uh, and yeah, it's such a valuable episode. I'm sure you guys are absolutely going to love it, so let's dive in. Do you have a website you might want to sell either now or in the future? We have a hungry list of cashed up and trained up buyers that want to buy your content website. If you have a site making over $300 per month and want to sell it, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash sell your business or email us at info at buyingonlinebusinesses.com because we will likely have a buyer. Details are in the description. Itamar, is that correct? Correct. Thank you for having me, Jared. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, let's dive straight on in. Um, I just want to pick your brain, as a lot of people listening probably do. Um, So many things to touch on with where you've what what you've learned throughout your journey, uh, which is fascinating to me. But let's just start from the top. Let's talk about some mental blocks that entrepreneurs are, you know, the most common ones. What would be the most? And I know that it can be typically ourselves, right? Probably where most of them stem from. Could be wrong there. But what are the top, the top two to three most common mental blocks that entrepreneurs? They're in the six figure range that want to get to that eight figure range or nine figure range that they have.
1: That's a great question. So. And it's interesting how you said it, mostly ourselves. So some of it are universal things. Like we all have this fear of judgment. We all have this fear of possibly like people abandoning us because we're doing things they don't approve of, all that. Mm. And then there's also very specific things. So sometimes we have certain life experiences that cause us to have more of one of those ingrained fears that we all have. Or sometimes it's just a timing thing. It's something that I see that's very common, with, especially with guys that have exited a business already, is that they're kind of latched onto this old mindset. Of uh, This is how I was thinking in 2015.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So therefore, this is how I should keep thinking. But it's not accurate. Like you're in a very different situation right now. Like your reality is different than your reality was in 2015. And if you keep the same kind of assumptions and working patterns or behavioral thoughts, whatever it may be, it's like you're not going to get great results mm-hmm. because you're just not looking at the right target, so to speak, or your position to the target.
0: Yeah. So would you... S- <sighs> It's similar to what I've said before. Somebody that's earning 10k a month to get to from zero to 10k a month is not the same as going from you know 10 to 100k a month or or more. Do you find that when somebody does exit a business and say they exit, you know, just say under under eight figures, like you know, high seven figures, they've learned so much on how to maybe they started that business from scratch. They've learned so much on how to start it from scratch and get it to that that point have you found when people exit they want to go and do something bigger and better but they start from the start of what they learned before and then they possibly follow the same journey because they don't know what that next step
1: looks like interesting i'll say before whether they know or not what the next step looks like it's just kind of a pattern they're like oh this is how i did it last time so this is how this is done And it's not the recognition. Like I said, this is how it's done when I was making zero to 10 K. So therefore this is why it had to get done this way. Mm -hmm. And now that I have much bigger funds, much higher leverage, whatever it be, it should be done in a different way and it can be done in a different way. So I think first off, they need to challenge that assumption. Just because I did it that way. doesn't mean that that's the correct way to get this done. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, of course. It's kind of like the saying of if you continue doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got.
1: Yeah. And it's like, the, the reality is the interesting one is that they're going to get a good result because they were able to exit. But is that the optimal result? Like, guess how you did it back then? It worked and it probably will work now and it will work even faster because you're more experienced. Mm. But is that the optimal way to do that? Probably not. If you're already sitting on a large sum of cash and you already have, even if you, you had to sell your team with it, you have some kind of experience how to build the teams. Like you shouldn't be doing things the old way. Mm. It's not as optimal. You can still get by with it, but is it optimal? Probably not.
0: And then so say somebody has exited a business and we're just, we'll just run with this for now until it's worth changing uh, into a different example. Say somebody has exited a business, they got a bunch of money and they want to reinvest it into build something else again, but bigger and get larger results or different results. Where do they, where do they start or how do you help them build something that is a different, uh, of different magnitude that creates a, a bigger impact if they haven't learned how to get to that next step you help them sort of, yeah. How do you, how do you get them there? Like what's, what are some of the things you would be working with?
1: It's a great question. And like what you said about creating a bigger impact. So what I've seen a lot of the guys that exit for a certain number, they did it all for money the first time, the first go around. They're like, I just got to get some money. I want to get like this life, this freedom, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden they're not really motivated to do the next step because Mm -hmm. they think, okay, if I want to, again, make a big company, create an exit. I'm going to have to suffer through it. Like I suffered the first time. And a lot of times people actually don't go for the next thing is because they equate a lot of suffering to it. Mm. Now what's interesting, I literally just started working with a one-on-one client and he also had the same issue, but he didn't realize that, you know what, actually I don't have to suffer. What if right now, because I actually have so much business knowledge and I think business so clear about everything I see, I give myself permission to do something I'm also passionate about and because he all of a sudden gave himself permission to do that, he's like, Oh crap, maybe I can actually do something else. I don't have to just stay stuck. And I think a lot of us have probably like, Nobody really succeeds the first go around. Usually the first go around, people try to do something they're passionate about because they have no idea about what's actually going on. They get smacked really hard by reality business. So then they kind of overcorrect and say, okay, let me do something that's really numbers focused, but it's not as enjoyable. Now, what's interesting is a lot of guys after the exit, they realize, you know what? I have such a wealth of business understanding that I can allow myself to do something I'm also passionate about. And when you combine those two, then they would say, okay, I want to make something really big and make this big impact. Mm. So a lot of times just clarifying what are the beliefs that you hold about why you shouldn't do this, why it's gonna be unpleasant or why it's not worthwhile or whatever it may be. And just asking again, like, are they true or not? Are the assumptions that you're gonna to have to grind it out or not, are they true?
0: So different to somebody, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. It's so different to somebody that is, I need to get out of this nine to five grind and I need to make this business work and they got a lot riding on it emotionally um because of the beliefs they have they need to make it work and maybe maybe it's just for resources reasons as well um to compare to like those people asking all right what do i want and what do i need to believe in and how do i get there versus the opposite side of like you're in a position now where you could do a lot of things and now you have to sort of reset and readjust and probably relearn who you are at that level and then who you want to become on the next level by asking the opposite of questions like what do i like you said before what what do i not like about that like that previous journey and is it true for me or not like does it have to be that way i guess for i'll be thinking back if i was to build my business the way i have built it is it would happen a lot faster if i if if I built it in another vertical or another niche, I'm sure it would happen a lot faster because I know how to, I know the mistakes and know what to avoid. And I'd probably be able to do it with far more fun because I've got the resources. Yeah. But that's some people, are you saying a lot of people may not have that thought process going into it?
1: Yeah. I think a big part of it is so a lot of people create their first business, the one they want to exit from, to mm-hmm. kind of get themselves out of fear. We're out of scarcity that's called like, Oh, I need to make more money. And all of a sudden when they actually have that cash in the bank, they're like, well, I don't need to make more money. So why should I suffer? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that means they're literally equating building a business to suffer. And what you're saying right now is like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's a core assumption that needs to be challenged for a lot of guys, a lot of guys and girls out there. It's like, this is the thing. It's like, maybe you don't have to suffer. Maybe it could be done in a different way, especially now is like a smarter, more leverage individual can do it without a lot of the pain. There's going to be challenging. That's part of the game, but without the emotional pain, like what if that's a possibility, just mm-hmm. staring that up is very interesting for people.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think the word suffering is a good thing I'd like to lean into as well. People learn a lot through suffering as well. And is it, is it necessary? Like how, and how necessary is it to go through suffering on a journey, like to achieving a result? do you feel? Cause I know that's a, that's a big can of worms, right? Like, <laughs> and, and I, I just, I'm just curious because I know that there is a, like typically we have seasons in our life where we do suffer from a few things. And I know that I have learnt whether this is a good thing for me to understand and acknowledge or not, but I have learned so much through my suffering, like so, yeah. so much and probably they're the most impactful lessons so yeah, how, how, how big of a, how, how, how much importance should we have on, on suffering? Is it a, is it a good thing? Like, does it help us collapse our mind? Like what's, where are you at with the suffering piece
1: for people on a journey like that? Can I go at it from a bit of a different perspective? Cause there's yeah, some question. Yeah. So I'm a very big fan of challenging yourself and going through certain hardships. However, I think suffering is an option. Like, this was a really interesting thing that I saw. Like, in my time in the special forces and the agencies, we would all go through the same challenges and hardships, but the meaning people had behind it caused them to either suffer or to embrace that challenge. Like, some people was like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. You're suffering right now if you're thinking that way. If you're like, you know what? This is a challenge that's really going to grow me. And I know this is hard, but this is exactly what I signed up for. I don't have to emotionally suffer. Just because something is externally challenging or technically challenging doesn't mean that emotionally I have to suffer because of it. Mm. And I actually think that that's the real key. The more hardships you can put yourself or more challenges you can push yourself through without having that emotional weight of suffering through it, the more you'll be able to grow. Because it's not like, okay, man, I have to go through a season of suffering and then I got to go lay on the beach a little bit and relax and recover. <laughs> and I think that's a big key to recognize that not all challenges mean that we have to suffer because of them. It's a choice.
0: Yeah, I love that. It It seems like it definitely is a choice when, and also maybe our attachments to what suffering means for us. Like if I'm gonna, if I wanna uh, say go for a run and I'm gonna go for a longer run than usual, I'm, I'm okay with suffering through some of the pain. And it's a positive thing for me, the way I look at it through that lens that mm. it's gonna allow me to have, longer runs in the future and allow me to maybe be fitter or allow me to get closer to that, you know, double marathon or whatever it is. So me seeing that as good suffering versus like unwanted suffering.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember in, uh, in, in camp, they used to always yell at us. You love this. You love it. You love this stuff. And it was kind of, they never yelled at us like, guys, learn to suffer through it. It was like, yeah. learn to love this. This is yeah. your thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, correct?
0: Yeah. My previous partner and some other people in my life have like, like say, oh, Jared's a bit of a sicko for like, you know, hard work and, and pain because I know like on the other side of it, it's like amazing growth and yeah. I'm okay with it. Like, So can um, I ask you a question here? Yeah.
1: Why please. do you choose the word suffering and not the mm-hmm. word like, I love challenges. I love really like hardship that I need to overcome? Why do you choose that word? I think
0: because I've been listening to a lot of, uh, spiritual people talking about suffering and mm. that's probably why it's like relevant for me, but it's, I'm glad that you asked that and, and held me accountable to that because I think it's, it's not a necessary word.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering is a choice. Like, I think also like in the realm of spirituality, like they always talk about it, suffering is a choice. Hardships are yeah. not—that's life—but suffering is a choice. Yeah, and I think it's really powerful to be cognizant of that.
0: Yeah. So, how much of people's fears get in the way uh, when they're wanting to when they're wanting to grow their business? And is there a lot of like, how do you become aware of their fears that they may be unconscious of as well?
1: Yeah. Great questions. So. I'll have to give, for some people it's more, some people it's less. That's the bottom line. It's just, there's a spectrum of it. Now, let's kind of break this down. Like uh, a fear is simply the belief that something is going to cause you harm or pain or is a threat.
0: That's Mm. really what a
1: fear is at the crux of it. Just just a belief, yeah. Exactly. And a belief is just something that you hold to be true for you. It's not fact, it's not science, it's not gravity. So the way I like to do that is like figure out what are the fears that are holding you back is not to ask somebody straight up. Like, what do you think your fears are? Like that's (laughs) why I'm, I I so don't like this whole term limiting beliefs Mm. because what you're doing there, you're asking somebody, what are the things that you're aware of instead of trying to figure out, let's figure out what your blind spots are. Mm. that's, what's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. So the easiest, the simplest way I've found to do that is to figure out, okay, what are you trying to achieve next and say, I want to build the next business. I want to, I can't explain why, but I want to, Okay, what are the things that you should be doing? What are the daily actions or the monthly actions or the big levers that you should be moving in order to make that happen? Like, Okay, I should be doing this, this, and this. Great. What are some beliefs that you have around that that make you feel uncomfortable? Let's flush them out. Forget about what are your limiting beliefs. I'm not asking that. Just what are your thoughts around this subject? Like, if this happens, then why? Or unless I do this, then Z. What are some structures that you hold there? And then all of a sudden, we flush things out. and We're like, ooh, that's interesting because you recognize that this belief that you hold, that if I do this, it's going to mean that will definitely negate your ability to actually action. This item that you said you should do this, is where there's conflict. And the moment we can figure out where are the conflict in your belief structure between your beliefs and what you should be doing, let's figure out, these are the main things that we need to work on that. If we can falsify these things, it breaks that you can actually take action. Does that make sense? Yeah. In a yeah. high level?
0: No, it definitely makes sense because there might be things that people need to do but they, they might have some resistance to it and they, they, they might feel that but they haven't pinpointed what that resistance is and that's maybe a reason why that they're not taking action on that thing that they may need to or would you, and I've found this in my life as well, is I've thought I needed to do these certain things to grow my business and to grow parts of my life it was a thought and it could have been from societal conditioning of what yeah. i perceive was the right actions to take but i had resistance to it and i've had mentors that have said so if you do this do you actually want that result like is that something you want to go through like is that resistance like a good thing because it's preventing you from doing the actions that you don't want to do anyway or what, and then recalibrate to what is the actual goal and then what the actions look like for that. Do you find that pop up as well, like?
1: Again, I'll answer it a bit of a different way. I think I can get to like the crux of the question. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's all about helping people have as clear viewpoint of reality as possible, of what be the most optimal behavior to actually get you your result. Now, it could be that your belief is that if I do this thing, it's actually not gonna get an optimal result because I'm more attached to actually my emotions than the results without people recognizing and I'm actually more attached to people liking me or to mm. nobody judging me or to nobody thinking, Oh wow, he succeeded that time. He was lucky, but this new time he's going to fail. Mm. And I he's going to prove to everyone, including himself that he was a one trick pony. And I'm actually more attached to that than actually sending out the surveys of whatever I should do next or whatever it may be. That's one thing to recognize like, where am I more attached to my emotions and the outcome I say I want? Mm. Cause a lot of times we'll say we want something, but we're actually more connected to something else. So that's one figuring that out. Is that actually what's going on here? And then two, like if we recognize, you know what, I, am, I do really want the result. It's what I'm focused on, but I still have some kind of insecurity there. Is that insecurity valid? Because a lot of times we just feel a certain way, but it's not valid. And the more we can overcome those things, those, the better we can flow, honestly. Both get like, clear on what we should be doing, like you said, but also like, not struggle through them so much. Every task that we do in like, a high level has both a uh, technical level of challenge, and then emotional weight. We add to it, like that emotional weight. That's what I was talking about. That's the suffering. It's not always necessary. Mm-hmm. So if we can figure out why is the suffering happening, we can reduce it sometimes.
0: So, so what you said is every goal has a technical aspect to it, which it sounds like, am I correct in saying is that that's the, the actions that need to be done to get the result. And then we put this,
1: our beliefs. You catch emotional baby. meaning to it yeah. more than it actually should. Like, for example, I see a surfboard in your background. Like, mm-hmm. to catch a wave, it's, okay, I need to paddle, I need to time it, I need to get up on a very simple level. But if I'm also thinking, you know what, like, what are the people next to me on the wave going to think if I fall down? Or what are the people on the beach going to think? What does this mean about me that I've been trying to learn surfing for two years and I can't get it right? Mm-hmm. Then it's like, all of a sudden, you're not going to perform, and you're more in your head than actually focused on the task. Mm-hmm. You're emotion-focused and not actually problem-focused. You're not going to get a good result. So a big part of it's figuring that out where we do that in our business as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I see that true with a lot of friends that I surf with. Like surfing is a huge part of my life. That's why I have it in the background. It's a big part of my branding as well. Um, And I see that with friends that will paddle out to a certain break or go and surf a wave pool and they're good surfers. And then all of a sudden there's a crowd and they're like stuff up because they have this, Emotional attachment that they don't want to be judged or they don't want to feel inferior to, like maybe where their surfing ability is actually at. Right?
1: Yeah, it's like yeah. we all want to feel like we're doing a good job. Yeah, it's a big part of it.
0: And ha- and how I guess it's, it's kind of like a therapy session, really, for for business owners where you where you end up, like, what do you do? You end up seeing what those that emotional weight is, and then I guess you just work through it. You just ask them
1: questions around it. How does that work? So I'll say a couple of things. I think it's a bit different than therapy because we're really trying to move aggressively forward towards something. Okay. In therapy a lot of times it's looking at your past and Again, therapy is a very wide modality, very wide yes. term. Yeah. A lot of times people get stuck looking at their past. Now what we try to do is get people to very aggressively move forward and in order to do that. Sometimes we have to look in the past in order to move forward, but it's mm-hmm. very quickly that now what we do with these belief structures is it's less so about just like feeling heard and kind of talking through them. But a big part of his logic is trying to falsify them because my assumption is that the people that really want to move forward and the kind of people that actually can't succeed in business, they're going to be very logical and rational individuals. And the moment you can present to them, Hey, a way you were looking at the world actually isn't true. And you recognize that it's not true. They can start to let go of it. Hmm. So for example, if someone has a belief that, if I don't do this all myself, it's never going to get done correctly. That's a belief they formed when they were hiring, you know, like $3 an hour VAs in the Philippines when they just got started or whatever it may be.
0: <laughs>
1: and that's why they keep working so hard on things that don't actually make a big impact. And we can actually break that belief to say that if I hire the right people within the right frameworks and I clarify their roles, da, 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 da I can actually see a lot of success faster. All of a sudden, they're, you know what? I can buy into that. It's not because I said, you know what? My negative belief, my limiting belief is that people don't want to help me. And a positive belief is the universe will conspire for me. Like people don't buy into that. But if you can say, what's the belief that you held without you recognizing that blind spot? And then is that true or not? And if it's not, what actually can be true? It's a very different thing. And I think that's the process in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. I was just going to ask you what what are some of the questions that people could ask themselves? <laughs> is, those are those ones, right? Is yeah. like... Is that what you're thinking? Is that true? And if it's not, what could be true?
1: Yeah. So the way I like to break it down is like, okay, you figure out like this is a belief I hold. Then we try to ask like, why do you think this is true? Because we're we're going from an assumption. This isn't a fact. So if it's just a belief, where did you learn this to be true? Mm -hmm. What experience in life taught you this? When did you learn this? Oh, I learned that I shouldn't speak up. I shouldn't do any public speaking because when I was in third grade, we had a show in town and all the kids laughed at me. Okay, so you're basing that assumption on that. Or whose example did you see this from? Well, my father worked really, really, really hard all his life. and He didn't employ leverage. But he was also a very high-integrity individual and someone who I really respect. So I think that if I hire a lot of people, then that means something negative about me. Perhaps I'm greedy. So you try to figure out again, like, where did you learn this from? What experience taught you that? Or who did you learn this from? Mm. And then we say, okay, is this true or not? And they're like, this is probably not true. This is actually... Relative to this context, it's not just an overarching truth in the world. It's not a fact. And you say, okay, so what actually is true? What is true yeah. for you today, with who you are, with all your skill sets, with all your abilities? And if you still feel uncomfortable to answer that, say, what would be true for somebody else? And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, actually, yeah, that's I can see that, and that's usually the process.
0: I love that. I absolutely love that. And what do you find? At, like, do you how like, how do I ask this question? the right light. When, when you're working with somebody that may have these certain beliefs, how, what percentage of people have beliefs that stem back to, say, from zero to seven, what people would call being in the, the theta state. Um, and, you know, just a young learner, and maybe, maybe some of them were learnt beliefs, but some of them were like traumatic experiences or whatnot what percentage of those ones are the beliefs that hold people back compared to ones that are learned through their life cycle and business between high school to where they're at now
1: yeah so i think it's a great question can i break it down even more
0: yeah please please do i've
1: noticed that the biggest things that hold people back are their beliefs from their infant stage in business ah, so think cool. about it this way like the reason on a conceptual level that those things are like from 0 to 7 they have such an impact in our lives is because we don't yet have the armor of logic Mm -hmm. of contextualization. So this person, Mm -hmm. like my dad yelled at me when I was three, my dad might not love me. My dad yelled at me when I'm 25, like I'm an adult. We've had a phenomenal relationship. I can handle that. For example, like not my father, but for example, Mm -hmm. now in business, the same thing, like if someone's 120th launch didn't go well, they're like, okay, let's chalk that up to data, let's figure this out. If their first launch crashes and bombs, They'll be like, wow, launches really are a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. So it's less so about what I see with these guys in business. It's less so about their zero to seven stage, but more so their first couple of years in business. That really leaves a big imprint in them. Oh,
0: that's so good. And so juicy to think about. Like, I would like to just go away and sit with that for a couple of hours to think about why would it be that that infant state in business is is so important to protect your beliefs and to form good beliefs um, for yourself that propel you forward versus ones that are like may keep you stuck or have like a certain ceiling that you struggle to break through would you would you say it could be because in the first stages of business honest to be true for myself so much riding on it and like if i have a launch or i've got like this thing that i'm trying to get because i like i used to be a plumber right and I wanted to get out of being a plumber, so I could travel the world and 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 um, surf basically. And I had so much riding on it because if I, you know, if I didn't make it, I'd be, you know, a plumber for the rest of my life. That's yeah. what I. That's what I thought back then. And so when it, it just it seems like when you have those what people would say are failures, which can be great learning experiences, that may condition you a lot more in those infant years. Would you say that's probably why, like, cause there's so much more emotionally riding on it versus the 120th launch of like, okay, it failed or like, whatever. Like, this us just learn from the data.
1: I'll say it in a different way. Again, I know I'm like, I'm not answering your questions directly, but I think there's a reason for it. <laughs> cool. I, I think in the beginning, honestly, people's belief structures don't matter that much. Their fears and insecurities don't weigh as so much cause they're so motivated to do something. I said like, I have to get out of plumbing. I'm not willing to accept this for my life. So think about it this way. Let's say like every time we have the level of motivation we have, like fighting against the level of insecurities or fears or internal doubts, beliefs, whatever you want to call it that we have. And when we're just starting out and we want to get ourselves out of that pain of being a plumber, for me, it was working counterterrorism, which I didn't want to do anymore. Whatever it may be, like that motivation is so high that it's a 10 out of 10. So even if I have like a seven out of 10, my personal insecurities, doubts, insecurities, beliefs that are holding me back, whatever, I can still power through that. It's kind of like the old story Mm -hmm. of a mother lifting the car off her son. Yeah. Now, what happens, though, is at a a later stage, like things after the exit, for example, or after just the business is doing well enough, whatever it may be, that motivation dies down. Now, okay, things are kind of good enough. I don't have to power through all these things. Mm. So I don't have to do it, but I still feel a bit uncomfortable. So that wins out. Now, some people try to remotivate themselves and say, okay, like, let me like, wake up at 4 a.m. or let me get realigned with my why or go to the conference, read the audio book, like, read the book, listen to the audiobook, whatever it may be. And that kind of gives them a boost. They take action, but then it weighs down again. So I think the restructuring of your belief and reconsidering, like, what are the things that I think that caused me to feel this, like, level five or six out of ten anxiety, fear, whatever, mm. is when you feel like actually it's affecting me. At the beginning, it's not going to affect you. You don't got to worry about it. You're so motivated, you're going to make things happen. But all of a sudden, when things get to that kind of good enough line, where are like, I don't have to like really push because I don't feel a crucial need to push, but I still want to, but I can't. Mm. That's the time to actually say, okay, what beliefs of mine are holding me back or causing that extra emotional weight that we talked about that doesn't need to be there? Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes total sense. makes total sense. I see in our own community, so we have a bunch of people that are buying businesses, looking at buying businesses. And you got people that come in guns blazing and they're like like a younger version of me i'll do anything whatever it takes right and my insecurities and fears and doubts or whatever that might be may may have held me back it's just like put them aside this needs to happen no matter what right and they go away and they buy a business in a short period of time and just crush it and then they they get the business and they just keep going and they get on a really good trajectory and then there's a bunch of other people that are like Uh, in between like say 40 to 60 and they're like got a pretty good job making a you know a couple hundred k a year 150k a year don't absolutely absolutely need to buy a business but I want one because it's going to make my life better and I can get out of my current circumstance as an employee but they just don't have that motivation as much and I could see that at certain stages in my life as well with growth in business and other things outside that I am comfortable, you know, just get comfortable. But I still want more, like still want the growth. So then at that stage, so that's where you start working with people to reshape their beliefs. And then when you, and I'm happy for you to answer this question in a different way, do you do you then start working with them to get, to them, to get them to a point that they're so aggressively want this thing that their fears and their doubts or whatever they might have is, so I might be asking this in, the, in, yeah. in not the most linear path, but I'd love to hear no, what you have to but say But you about are. It.
1: So basically what you're asking me, correct me if I'm wrong, is do we help people get more motivated? to Like okay, say like I have this pain threshold, so I'm going to rise above it. And this is why it's so important to me.
0: Well, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say motivation because I don't believe motivation is, I think motivation is like a Red Bull or a sugar hit that compared to like inspiration that they're actually inspired that can come from within. That's what I... I have learned to be true for myself. Yeah. So yeah, not so much motivation to like, you know, hype them up to get to a certain level. Cause I don't know, that's not gonna last, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So it's a great question. And I think it's the it's the common interpretation of what should I do in order to succeed more? I should get like more inspired more aligned, whatever it may be. Now, what I actually found out is that the opposite is what works better. Like if you go in any kind of engineering spectrum they're never going to tell you oh let's crank more power into the machine they're usually going to tell you let's figure out how to make it more efficient first yeah optimize exactly and that's what i try to do with human beings as well it's like instead of saying let's get you more motivated which can go up and down up and down more inspired which again more aligned whatever it may be like how can we actually require it to be a lot less challenging require a lot less effort out of you to actually take the actions Mm -hmm. because if you can make it so that you actually doing the actions like looking for the businesses you know starting to deal with brokers, whatever it may be that doesn't have that emotional weight attached to it. It's just another thing that you do like how you just text a friend or whatever it may be. That means it's going to be sustainable. So it's not actually about helping them up their desire, but it's just about lowering any kind of suffering or any kind of challenge threshold as much as possible. Cause I think that's a thing that's going to last. Mm-hmm. Like instead of trying to pump someone up, let's just make this task less challenging. So it can be more sustainable. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It does. And uh, we do that with our program and and system. And and, uh, yeah, it's still, you know, we've got human beings that are just going through different, different phases and still can be challenging. So yeah,
1: totally get that. Can I add something here, Jed? Yeah. So I think this is where you guys have a phenomenal opportunity, because I'm assuming you're doing that from a very technical level. Like, how can we make this as simple and clear as possible for you Mm -hmm. to do this action? So then if you also ask, like, what's the emotional weight that you're attaching to this? What's the belief behind this thing? And this is for all for like, everybody listening in. Jared's giving me all the tools to do this. Why am I still uncomfortable to do this? You mm-hmm. say, oh, because I believe that if I do this, it's going to mean that. Or if I take this step, it means that I have to go all in or whatever it may be. And then ask yourself, is that actually true or not? And you kind of have the framework that we talked about earlier to go through that. Because mm-hmm. if you can recognize I have clarity in what to do because Jared's giving me the steps. And now I can reduce some of that emotional weight. Okay, now I can do it. And now you can start winning and adding things up. Does that make sense. It
0: less, yeah, making it less scary. Yep. More bite-sized. Yeah. Cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And are there are there practices that you like? I guess this might be moving into like what people will call motivational stuff. But are there like things that you would teach people to do in terms of practices to? be prepared to work on these sorts of things that is, you know, might be scary for them, like mental exercises or
1: anything like that. Can you give me an example? What do you mean by that? I'm not sure I'm following.
0: Um, so Tim a yeah, crazy example. He would just like, instead of i think it was for a judgment thing so he wouldn't like he would just get used to feeling judged and whatever he would just go and like lay down in shop for like 10 minutes and just lay on the floor and just do things like you know odd things like that um you know challenges that some people will have like you know speaking in public to you know speaking on the bus or something like that getting up and jumping on the seat and speak on the bus um obviously you would want to have those challenges help you and be aligned with what your goals are. Otherwise, it might be pointless because you might not, you know, you might be training for something you're not going to use. But do you, do, you, do you prescribe any of that sort of stuff? And it might be specific to each person that you talk with as well.
1: I think there's a lot of value in what you call like exposure therapy. just mm. doing it, getting exposed to it, and kind of building up that shield. Um, but yeah, I don't advise anything like that. Uh, it's more so sort the of very pragmatic, like, let's figure out where you want to get to. What are the necessary action steps? Then you do those things because those are actually the scariest things that have the most amount of meaning. Mm. But before you actually go and do them in the real world, let's run a mental model and figure out, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to feel. This is the feeling I'm going to have when I'm about to do it. Now I'm going to recognize that I'm having this feeling because I have this belief that we clarified. This is why it has so much emotional weight. And I also realize this belief is not true. I recognize that I, I developed this belief because in my first company, the co-founder was this and this, and this is what happened. And that's why I'm so afraid of coming in with a new co-founder. But I recognize also what actually is true is if I do things correctly, if I vet people correctly, if I recognize we should align for values, not for skill sets, it's going to work out well. Anything cliche like that. And then without recognition, I recognize it's still going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to feel uncomfortable, but that feeling is not a reason I shouldn't actually do it. And then I'm going to decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is where it leads all the way back to what I said I wanted. So I do it. And running people, those who kind of mental models help them prepare for when I'm going to face a high impact situation. Mm. And it's a skill set. Beyond just, like just doing that specific thing, it's a skill set you learn how to do to constantly prepare. Okay, I'm about to do something that feels scary. Why does it feel scary? Is it valid for it to feel scary? Why is it worthwhile for me to do it? All right. Let me do it even though it feels scary. Like that's the big thing to accept that it's still going to feel scary at times, but it's like feelings aren't facts just because we feel a certain way about a situation. Doesn't mean that's actually what's going to happen. Just how mm. we feel. That's huge.
0: Feelings aren't facts. That's mass. That's a really good takeaway to, to trigger us asking those questions when we're going up to a, a
1: scary challenge, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And can I add something to that? I think it could be useful. Mm, please do. There's two ways I like to look at it. First, there's specific situations that we should prepare for that are of high impact. Like, I know I'm going to have these really impactful situations. I need to prepare for them. That's one thing. Now, another thing is also to be aware of when can I, how can I notice that I'm starting to get emotional, that my feelings are starting to take over my logic? Because if I can be aware of that, then I can not go down the wrong path, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, looking at what those signs are that they may do in their behaviors or those feelings and where it may be in their body or their head or the thoughts they may have that can actually help them to trigger that, that process of like, let me start asking myself these questions to do some sort of quote, like quote unquote self therapy internally yeah. or through those
1: questions. Right? Yeah. And the, you, you obviously know this cause you said it, it's all about like the feelings. What do I feel? Yeah. What's my affect be body. How do I feel what's going on in my body? like physically and see the cognitive. What are my thoughts? Mm -hmm. If I can just be aware, like what are the main things that I feel when I get like emotional? Oh, okay. I feel anxiety. I feel aggressive. I feel triggered. I feel threat. I feel agitated, whatever it may be, or B body. Like I get cravings or I clench my fist. I clench Mm -hmm. my jaw. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I slam the keyboard a little bit. Things get louder or I pace up and down the room or cognitive. I always have this thought, like no one wants to help me. It's all on me. Oh, these people don't understand. If I can mm-hmm. recognize those things, like you said, as a warning sign, then I can say, whoa, Edomar's starting to be emotional right now. Edomar mm. is about to do something that's not smart. actually isn't going to serve him. So mm. as soon as this happens, the rule is Edomar takes a step back, takes a breath and figure out, okay, why is this happening right now? And is the next action we're about to take actually going to help Edomar or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the human body is such a good guidance system and it's just the most phenomenal tool and I just think, like, I've done it. I've done a bit of work on myself. Um, and like most entrepreneurs have. Um, and I found it as a, when I first started doing it as a guy, it was harder to learn to allow those feelings to come and to go and to identify what they are. And do you see that as a, do you, do you see that? I'm assuming you might, but for like working with men, do you work with many women as well? Or do you work mostly with men?
1: It's mostly men. We work with some women, but mostly men.
0: Yeah. Is it a challenge for them to start to learn what may be a bit of a a sign for them to learn to like, to learn to listen to their, to themselves and their body. And like, maybe this, you know, heavy breathing and, the frustrations and all those sorts of things, do you find it, find it a challenge for them?
1: Yes. And I'll say that I think beyond that, like not beyond that, but even prior to that, it's challenging for a lot of them to accept that they need to work on their emotions. Yeah. That they have emotions. Yeah. And that it's not a soft thing to do that. If you're doing, if you're working on your emotions, it doesn't mean you're weak or you are soft or you're not tough. Hmm. And I, for me personally, on a personal level, that's what I think, could have held me back. Like, I don't know how much you know about my backstory, but what I worked on the cover and agency and all that.
0: Yeah. I know a little bit.
1: Yeah. So kind of like in a nutshell, when I was working undercover, somebody who was, who I thought was a training partner at the local gold gym. When I was working undercover in India, he turned out to be an a operative who wanted to kidnap me. Mm. And he was very, very close to it. And that developed some PTSD in me that I wasn't aware of it. Like I got flown out of the country after the next couple of days, we, we caught on to it and blah, blah, blah. And the only reason I allowed myself, I gave myself permission to seek help with this was because I thought, oh, this is something that's alpha enough. Like it feels ridiculous to say that. It was something that was what? Alpha? Alpha enough. Like I oh. almost got kidnapped by Al Qaeda. This isn't soft. This isn't me being weak. And I'm literally working with the head of psychology of the Israeli Mossad who deals with this kind of stuff. So this is something that's manly enough for yeah. me to get help on this. Yeah. It's not just because I have this feeling that I failed once or this or that. Yeah, And for me, like, again, it feels embarrassing to say this, but if I wouldn't have gone something like that, I wouldn't have given myself that permission. And I feel like for a lot of guys, beyond the technical challenge of being cognizant of what's going on with me when I get emotional, mm. it's just acceptance to say, you know what? This actually is very beneficial for me to talk about. And it doesn't mean that I'm soft. And I, for me, that I think... And like honestly looking back at it i only gave myself that permission after somebody who i respect actually told me like, listen it. what you went through is pretty crazy you should go get some help mm-hmm. And only because he was another guy that i respected and he was successful i was like okay you know what this isn't soft and i think beyond the challenges of like doing it like give yourself permission that would be the biggest thing
0: yeah that's so good thank you for sharing that uh i'm so it's a scary sounds like a very scary time and a lot going on mentally for you and i'm so thrilled that you know you've learned what you've learned so you can come and, and and teach it to us today i spot on agree that you know for men and learning to feel i feel this is so is, is actual strength like yep. solid strength and it's like i've I found it was for me. It was one of the scariest things to do, is to like go away from what society taught me. Was like, ah, oh, don't cry here. Have a have a glass of cement and harden up, mm-hmm. um, as I would say in, say in Australia. And to go the opposite way of like lean into like my emotions and learn more about like myself and why I was behaving a certain way based on my emotions because I was ignoring them and squashing them or like didn't even know, recognize what they were. The best men that I know. <clears throat> inside and outside of business are the men that have done the emotional work on themselves and they are just the best operators Yep. and they they end up making take money away from it They they're the, they're the men that end up making the biggest impact because they become the best leaders from what yep. i have seen and that's the toughest i found it to, when i first started it was the toughest work to to lean into that so um, yeah
1: i agree with you 100 percent like the simple way I would look at it is in order to be really effective, you have to be very rational. Yeah. Now someone who's very insecure, not aware of those insecurities because they keep blindsiding him. He's not going to behave irrational. He's not going to be rationally. Sorry. And I think that's the thing. Like the person who understands his biggest insecurities is going to be a rational individual and therefore he's going to be a very powerful individual, men, women, whatever. And I think what you're saying, like, I think it's hard for us, Cause again, like we don't, do this. All of a sudden you're at age 20 something or 30 something or 40, something, whatever it may be. Mm. And all of a sudden you're like, dang, this is a skill set that I'm a wipe out that I'm a zero. at. I've never actually done this. So yeah. it's a muscle that I've never trained before. So it's like, I remember the first time I worked on this, it was exhausting. Yep. But I think that's the big thing to recognize. Like if you know your main insecurities, your main fears and anxieties, you don't have to be held victim to them by your subconscious. Yeah. And that's why you can act rationally and achieve a lot. Yeah. So much, so much.
0: And I've, Feel that maybe that the more you can accept them the like it's just a better platform to just grow grow from like you and the less i think it i think it helps facilitate some men drop the ego it has for me drop the ego that i once had um to then realize like damn like I thought I was doing all of this for me. And then you can end up making a far B impact and your ego still gets a little bit more of a hit because, And the, in the long run, if you wanted it to be, if you wanted to have that hit, because you do end up getting better results as well. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent, man.
0: Yeah. This has been so good to chat to you. I'd love to just continue having another hour of conversation, but I want to be respectful of your time. Thanks so much for coming on. Where can we? You've got some really good resources um, that people need to go on and check out. I'll be putting links to them in the show notes, but just spell it out for us. What's your, what's your website?
1: Yeah, so itamarmarani.com. That's I T A M A R M A R A N I.com. Um, you can find there everything you need. On top of that, if you are a podcast listener, we have the podcast as well. The Emotional Fortitude Podcast and anything you look after, we break down actual case studies. Like this person was here, then he got to there. These are exact steps that he needed to use to overcome his fears, get clear on what he wanted, overcome whatever issue may be. They got him this result, and we really try to give everything away. And on top of that, we also have a link you'll see on the show notes. I'll send it to you to find that e course. Basically, just exactly how to figure out what belief structures are holding you back, like what we talked about earlier in the podcast. So if you feel like some of this stuff hit home. This will help you flush out exactly what could possibly be holding you back. Get clear on that. It's not a, blind spot, not a blind spot anymore, but it's just something you can start working through.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Check out the pod. Thanks for having me. Check out the course. And everybody is listening. It was, for me, I just want to say, Itamar, it was very refreshing to talk about business in the light of like emotional intelligence and not just KPIs and results and things like that. I think the biggest growth that I've had is from me working on my emotional intelligence in and outside of business. And uh, I'm just, am super grateful that we got to talk about it today. So yeah, thanks again.
1: Likewise, thank you very much for having me, man. I really yeah, enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, me too. Everybody that's listening, thanks for listening. Please share this, it's something that people need to hear and uh, we'll speak to you on the next one. Hey YouTube watcher, if you thought that video was good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100k from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out. It's an awesome playlist. You'll enjoy it.